This, this, this is you. KUT. KUT, Austin. Stop. This is KUT. I'm Jennifer Staten. Chuck Smith joined Equality Texas back in 2003 as a volunteer and helped out at their lobby day at the state capitol. Equality Texas is an organization that, in its own words, works to secure full equality for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer Texans. Just about 15 years later, last December, Smith stepped down as CEO. We talked about the changes he has seen over his time with Equality Texas and the work that still remains. Smith started by describing the two steps forward, one step back nature of the progress of rights for people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual or transgender in Texas and across the country. It has changed. I think it's changed quite a bit. If I look back uh, to 2003, uh, I came to the organization initially as as a volunteer uh, and my first exposure uh, was at their annual lobby day. Um, and I had not ever done that before. Uh, and one of the one of the lawmakers that I had the opportunity to visit with that day uh, was State Representative Carter Castile, uh, who represented the Hill Country. Uh, but in 1969, she was my eighth grade social studies teacher. Um, and I wasn't out when I was in junior high. And so we had a conversation about uh, based upon what the what the laws were in Texas that, um, you know, somebody could have slammed me in, into a locker uh, and there there was no requirement for her to do anything about it. Um, and it was a really it was an interesting conversation. It was uh, an empowering conversation. Um, she talked a lot about will and grace, uh, but we also at the time in 2003 had a conversation about um, that um, that she recognized what a family was and that some families included LGBTQ people. Um, she said that sh- that she couldn't she couldn't be be with me on marriage because if she did she wouldn't have a parking place at the Capitol. Uh, and so I think it was ref- I mean certainly it was reflective of where people were at the time. Um, that that as an elected official, she's you know and, you know I think she believed in equal treatment for LGBTQ people, uh, but would have been ahead of ahead of the game in terms of uh, being able to, um, to to speak openly as a lawmaker about that. Uh, 2003 was also the year of of the Lawrence v. Texas decision, um, so that was the first time that the U.S. Supreme Court decriminalized um, sexual activity for same sex people, um, and I think. Over time, I think, and some of these things that that we, that we talk about, that for every action there was a reaction, uh, and certainly while the Lawrence v. Texas decision uh, was was empowering and liberating and a and a huge landmark uh, in the equal rights movement for for uh, LGBTQ people, the immediate pushback to that uh, was, and there you know there has been and still is uh, an organized anti-LGBTQ industry. Uh, and that that immediately revved up uh, that to where even within 2003 and from 2003 to 2005, uh, we saw in Texas and across the country a wave of defense of marriage acts um, to where as soon as the Lawrence v. Texas decision happened, um, you know, there 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 was conversation at the time and, and parts of, the, of of that opinion, I think, that sort of started to lay the ground for why would there be restrictions on marriage. Uh, and so. Um, you know, it, we sort of went immediately from from that favorable Supreme Court decision uh, in in terms of the state of Texas passing a state defense of marriage act, uh, and then and and then it went then there was a, a a constitutional measure that went to the ballot in 2005. 
during that period, uh, when, when I was first involved in 2003, uh, one of the issues here in Texas was Robert Talton was a, a continuous um, um, uh, uh, warrior uh, for trying to prevent same-sex couples or LGBTQ people from serving as, as foster or adoptive parents. Uh, and I, you know, I, I remember at that point in time uh, attending uh, legislative hearings where um, you know, busloads of, of people that, that were opposed to LGBTQ people, uh, would, would come to hearings, uh, and, and we would also organize, um, you know, families and parents and their kids, uh, to try and come and, you know, show people, um, that not all families look the same and, and that, um, LGBTQ people, uh, are, are parents and, and have kids, uh, and that we're doing so, uh, in ways that, you know, that help child protective services and help give safe loving homes to to Texas kids. That was an effort that he he you know was relentless on, uh, and that pretty much you know continued through two thousand three, two thousand five, uh, two thousand seven. I think sort of I think uh, at at a at a state level, two thousand and seven, when Joe Strauss became the speaker, uh, there was definitely a shift. It didn't result in an ability to pass non-discrimination legislation, but there was a noticeable change in civility uh, when Tom Craddock was the speaker, uh, when we would have these hearings uh, related to foster care and adoption. And again, our witnesses were, were parents and their kids. Those hearings purposefully got pushed till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Um, when Joe Strauss became the speaker, you know, there, you know, even when there were still hearings on bills that the organization opposed, those hearings happened, you know, during during the day, like like every other constituent constituency that wanted to have a hearing, you know, they happened in the light of day, and and witnesses were treated mostly with respect. Um, so I think that was sort of you know this ongoing process. Uh, during during the shift from from Craddock to Strauss, uh, and again, this is during then a time frame where um, this was a multi year and national effort um, that the dealing with the issue of marriage and dealing with the freedom to marry, uh, and not only was that a legal effort, and I think uh, w- you know as a movement we lost in a lot of places, and I think uh, it took years to recognize that that. The people were talking about rights and responsibilities, which is not something that mentally, you know, that the average public could could equate to. Uh, and that ultimately, when that conversation came back and started talking about love, that gay and lesbian people wanted to get married for the same reason that that opposite sex people get married it's because they met somebody, they're in love and they want to share their life with them and commit to that. Um, that 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 effort was not just. Uh, a lobbying effort that resulted in legislation, that was an effort that changed people's minds. Uh, and that ultimately, uh, we now are in a place where public opinion supports the freedom to marry because people recognize that gay and lesbian people want to get married for the same reason that everybody else does. Yeah, I was going to ask, in your work and over time, what do you regard as a success? So there's sort of a tangible success, you know, either a state law or a federal law or something changes on the books. And then there's a less tangible success, like you talk about speaking of marriage and love and things that everybody can relate to, but that's obviously less tangible. What do you consider progress and success? Sure. So I think um, 
the organization that I worked for, Equality Texas, uh, in their mission speaks to, to, to full equality, uh, which includes not only legal equality, but lived equality. Uh, and so I think success, ultimately success is not only having equal, equal protection under the law, but having equality in the hearts and minds of our fellow Texans. The, the effort and the, and the movement that dealt with marriage uh, is one where not only did it change laws, but it actually changed public opinion. You know, we're, we're still in the process, uh, I think now, of uh, doing the same thing with regard to, to transgender and non-binary people, uh, which sort of speaks to, I guess, sort of over the progression of time again, to where um, 2013 was when the Obergefell decision came down. Uh, and so once the U.S. Supreme Court uh, granted nationally the freedom to marry, sort of the, you know, the, the immediate counterpunch to that um, has, has been, well, the first counterpunch to that were efforts to try and repeal that. Uh, and I think that became legally more difficult uh, if for no other reason than the public now supported the freedom to marry to where it was not a it was no longer a majority held view that LGBT people should be prevented from getting married. It was actually the majority of Americans, you know, support the freedom to marry. Um, and so sort of with that roadblock, um, transgender people became the new boogeyman. Um, and again, I think it's not dissimilar to what, how, what attacks were, uh, on lesbian and gay people 50 years ago, uh, is that, um, because there was this, um, shaming and, and, and people were not comfortable uh, as comfortable being out and in the open, uh, that they could be demonized. And, uh, in 2013, I, you know, I think a majority of Americans, uh, were not familiar with who transgender people are. Uh, I think that's initially why, uh, we saw fear tactics, uh, related to bathrooms be, be successful. Um, just in the last couple, you know, last several years, um, organizations like Equality Texas and other organizations across the country uh, have done a, a lot of work uh, to help educate Texans and Americans about who trans people are, who non-binary people are, uh, and how they're more likely to be the victims of crime. They're not the perpetrators of crime. Um, and there's been some, there has been success with that. Uh, I certainly think that that was uh, a, a component of, of efforts that, that built into the, the success of killing bathroom legislation in the state of Texas. Uh, but sure, certainly there's, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done from a public education standpoint uh, in terms of helping people understand and be more comfortable with who trans people are. I'm curious, Chuck, if you can think back over your time at Equality Texas, was there a particular accomplishment, a particular achievement, something that that you're perhaps most proud of or that really stood out for you? There is, and hopefully I can talk about it without getting getting teary. It's uh, okay if you do. Uh, well, it's, uh, I think the, the, the passage of anti-bullying legislation in 2011 uh, is for me uh, personally um, my most important accomplishment. Um, I think um, trying to... Working to pass legislation is usually not something that happens very quickly. Uh, in many instances, it you know it it takes a decade, uh, and and sadly, in this instance, that's also a, a, a case where that that was true. Um, it took more than ten years, 
and it took way too many kids committing suicide in our state um, before the legislature finally uh, would would act uh, in a way to update our education code uh, and 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 recognize that bullying and harassment was a real thing, that cyberbullying was a real thing. Um, that people were, in fact, being targeted based upon their actual or their perceived sexual orientation or or their gender expression. Um, and, you know, legislation finally passed uh, in a session that was preceded by a dozen kids killing themselves. Uh, and so, uh, it, you know, it, it was... It was difficult. It's and it and it still wasn't perfect legislation. It's not specifically enumerated. It doesn't specifically uh, uh, mention sexual orientation or gender identity and expression. Um, but I think the the discussion that happened and the reality of the lives that were lost to get to that place um, was helpful uh, in the sense of 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 getting the state to acknowledge that it was a problem that they simply couldn't ignore and pretend that it didn't exist. Can you think back to some of the conversations you had with lawmakers? I guess I'm thinking specifically about closer to the actual passage, but understanding that it went back for a decade. What did you have to do to help push this along? So there, you know, no lawmaker would, would, want any child to be harmed. Um, and so over and over again, you know, we would hear that, you know, every child should be safe. Um, but they also didn't want to hear that not every child was safe. And ultimately, the reason that the legislation passed is that the parents, parents of children, parents who lost their kids to bullying uh, made it their mission to walk the halls of the Texas Capitol and to tell people that they were not going to leave until the state addressed the problem. Uh, and you know those people uh, again. I think part you know part of part of why that legislation sticks out as being so personally important to me uh, is was watching the commitment and the efforts of people, parents um, who. You know, they were still in a grieving process and it was, you know, it became their mission that their child's death was not going to be in vain, um, that it, 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 it was going to be purposeful um, and that they were going to get the state to pay attention to what was happening. Uh, and I will always be honored to have been a part of that process. What are you expecting from the legislature in this 2019 legislative session? What are you going to be watching for? Well, I'm certainly encouraged that that the words that we are hearing from leadership are that they want to focus on the real issues facing the state. It's encouraging to hear uh, the presumptive speaker, um, you know, saying that 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 school finance um, and property taxes are are the priorities. Um, I would hope um, that the legislature does address school finance. I would simultaneously hope that no one tries to taint that bill or that process uh, by trying to target kids with with a bathroom amendment or some sort of bathroom legislation, whether whether it's in a school finance bill or whether it's in a school safety bill. Both of those are extremely important issues, uh, and it 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 would it would I think be a huge mistake uh, to try and tarnish that process. 
uh, by trying to inject bathroom legislation into that again. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that the legislature will focus on, on real issues. Um, at the same time, um, there were 17 bills filed in the last legislative session that sought to allow discrimination uh, under the under the, the guise of personal religious beliefs. Uh, I don't believe that's going to go away. In fact, I think that that will probably uh, be an increase of, of similar type legislation. Um, you know, I'm 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 hopeful that. Um, you know that that efforts will again be successful in in demonstrating um, to lawmakers that uh, personal that that religious liberty and civil rights are not things that are mutually exclusive. Um, that this state has uh, a, a law that's been in place since 1999 that allows for the fair balance of of religious freedom uh, and civil rights, uh, and that it would be a mistake to go down a road. Um, that 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 perverts religious liberty in such a way that allows people to discriminate and 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 hide behind religion as a, as a reason to do that. Um, I think the third the third area that that certainly would be a personal concern to me uh, is uh, related to trying to uh, re- reduce uh, or eliminate uh, municipal non discrimination ordinances that exist across our state. Um, I you know I I do believe um, that that uh, preemption or, or trying to, t- to take away the, the, the rights of home rule charter cities in the state to, to pass ordinances that are designed for the communities in which they live. Uh, I mean, we know that there's going to be um, uh, legislation related to that, probably both, both broadly uh, as well as narrowly. Um, and and dealing with not just non-discrimination ordinances, but you know areas like um, you know plastic bags and uh, minimum wage laws and sick leave, paid sick leave. So it's a, it's an area where cities are doing things that some lawmakers don't like. Uh, so as an issue, preemption is going to be a big deal. Uh, and whenever there's an issue, then certainly LGBTQ people can become the targets of it. And Chuck, just to wrap up here, the last question I had, I want to. Um Refer back to the statement that announced your departure, and in that you said it's time for a new generation of leadership to take us to the next step in our fight for equality in Texas. And I'm curious what you see as that next step. Uh, well, I think for for me, the next step would be sort of is 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 the pivot from uh, not having to spend. Uh, all of the time trying to defeat discriminatory legislation, uh, but actually moving the state of Texas to a place uh, where we recognize that discrimination does exist in the state uh, and that it, it exists based upon sexual orientation and gender identity. Uh, and it's long past time for the state to update its civil rights laws uh, and and make it illegal to, to uh, fire someone or to re- refuse service or to deny housing solely based upon someone's orientation or identity. Do you see that happening here in the near future? Uh, well, in the last legislative, le- legislative session, uh, employment non-discrimination uh, on the House side made it out of committee for the first time ever, uh, and it did so uh, with, with support from both Democrats and Republicans. Uh, I can always be hopeful. Uh, and uh, organizations like Equality Texas are still going to be there uh, to advocate for that, and I will wish them all all the best in that effort. 